Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance and as part of this podcast series, we'll be speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name is Rosie Alsop. I'm Communications Manager at We Are Guernsey. That's the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. Today on the podcast, we will be discussing our Sustainable Finance Week, which was held in Guernsey at the beginning of June. I am delighted today to be speaking to Ian Corder. He is Director of Standards and Operations at ESI Monitor. Ian joined us at our first day of Sustainable Finance Week to provide our Guernsey-based speakers with a training session that was focused on TCFD principles and climate risk for businesses. Welcome, Ian. Um, so firstly, to introduce you to our listeners, can you tell us a bit about how you ended up working in this green area, uh, sorry, this area of green finance? Well, I've always been interested in um, in the environment and the, the world around us. But um, after graduating in the middle of the financial crisis in, in 2009, I actually ended up working in, in infrastructure and engineering for six years. Uh, I then decided to do a master's in environmental management and um, ended up joining the UK Environment Agency, where I worked for about four years, initially on reservoir decontamination but ended up running the cost and carbon forecasting team on the um, EA's National Flood and Coastal Defence Programme. Then in 2019, I moved to Bailiwick and I was interested, uh, it was introduced to Mark Lanay, who's the founder of the SI Monitor. And um, I started working there full time um, about six months ago. So professionally, I'm, I'm a chartered environmental manager, but I've also got that corporate experience in project management uh, and change management and accounting qualification as well. So I now do work with clients across a different range of sectors, but um, just over half of them are in financial services. And so green and sustainable finance uh, is a big focus for us. Thank you. So Ian, could you give us an introduction to ESI Monitor and the work that you're doing in Guernsey to encourage sustainability in businesses over here? Yeah, absolutely. So ESI Monitor was founded in 2019, so we're still quite a young business. Um, and our aim is to really help all kinds of other businesses become more sustainable. Now, we do that primarily through our digital framework, which is a guided uh, online system that helps organisations work internally through a really logical process to become more sustainable. So you don't need lots of really specialist internal experts or to hire in um, expensive consultants. The idea is that we do all that work up front and then we lay out the steps really clearly that will take a new organization from a blank sheet of paper through to having a complete footprint, new organizational policies, setting commitments, and actually working through action plans that will help them become more sustainable. So we help you measure your current footprint um, move on to finding ways to reduce that footprint, such as by reducing electricity usage or uh, reusing materials um, or whatever. And then at each stage, we provide resources that help the businesses' teams learn about the issues and how to fix them. I think we've got about 60 customers 
currently working through this framework across over 10 countries and we're constantly adding more and more functionality to the framework to make sustainability even easier for those teams. We do also provide a bit of bespoke consulting as well for, um, for, for other areas. So for example, I'm, I'm currently carrying out a series of deep dive studies into particular investees on behalf of an investment fund who are one of our clients. Uh, and then we work with about 10 or 15 associate consultants around the world who can cover other specialist aspects of sustainability if that's needed. So like waste and resources management, um, supply chain due diligence, habitats, biodiversity, uh, or even human rights and the social aspects of sustainability as well. So if you cast your mind back, you were the uh, person who delivered the very first session of Sustainable Finance Week, giving an introduction to the sustainability regulatory framework. Can you explain to our listeners what TCFD is and what businesses should be preparing for over the next year or so? So TCFD stands for the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. And it does exactly what it says on the tin. So it's a task force. It was set up by the Financial Stability Board to encourage businesses to analyze and then disclose any impacts that climate change might have on their business models. So it looks further into the future than the scenario and stress testing that people in financial services and banking uh, might already be familiar with and looks at the physical risks that you can imagine from climate change, like temperature rises, sea level rise, increasing storms and extreme weather events. But it also encourages businesses to look at the, what are called the transition risks, which are risks that arise from the world economy reorienting itself away from carbon intensive energy sources. In terms of what TCFD actually involves, the, the, the starting procedure for getting involved is, is really quite simple. There's a basic recommendations document available online, um, published in, in 2017. It's, it's quite short, it's quite accessible, and it's very much envisaged that organisations start off simply, just provide a short and simple disclosure in their first year, and then as they gain more understanding of the climate-related risks that apply to them and apply to their investments, then they'll disclose more and more. And there are only 11 questions to complete. Um, the, the initial things you'll need to start doing involve understanding a bit more information about your business model or the portfolio, uh, if you're an investor or manager, and particularly the carbon emissions associated with your business model or with your investments. So I'd recommend reading the 2017 TCFD recommendations report, understanding those 11 questions and figuring out which ones you can answer today and which ones you might need a bit more and more data on. That'll get you started. Um, and you're also very welcome to talk to me or another of the team at ESI Monitor if you want more help. Thank you for explaining TCFD. Now, we heard throughout Sustainable Finance Week about the growing number of standards and principles and regulations that are coming through the pipeline for sustainability, uh, described by some as an alphabet soup. Do you think that the growing number of standards uh, is helpful for the finance industry? And do you think the industry wants more standardisation? Yes, I, I, I certainly think that people want more standardisation and simplicity. And I think overall that's a good goal. 
we've started to see in the last 12 to 18 months, there is the beginnings of more standardization and maybe a consolidation of these standards that have, have up till now been, um, been, been growing sort of exponentially. So in, in 2020, we had a statement of intent from a number of bodies uh, like SASB, GRI, uh, CDSB and others saying that they were going to work more closely together on common standards. We've got the emergence of sort of touchstones, particular reference points that, that everyone is now um, referring to as de facto standards. So like TCFD, that's really becoming the default approach to climate change risk assessment and disclosure. And we've also got the IFRS proposal to establish an international sustainability standards board to run alongside the IASB. So I think there is more standardization and more comparability to the financial systems and standards that people are already familiar with. So there's definitely positive moves in that standardization, but I think we shouldn't forget that um, no matter what standards and frameworks we, we put on top of things, the underlying sustainability topics haven't changed. Um, the climate science is still going to be subject to uncertainties uh, and difficulties in forecasting things, no matter what acronyms and reporting standards you put around it. And there's still limited agreement on things like social sustainability measurement. Um, so I think the need for practitioners is still just as great as it's ever been. And no one can expect to be an expert in, in everything within green and sustainable finance. Very much so. Now, Sustainable Finance Week was um, a fantastic event. I'm sure you'll agree. Now, one of the key highlights for me at the event was the Director General of Guernsey's local financial services regulator, the GFSC, joining us up on the final day to confirm that Guernsey will be updating its code of corporate governance to include climate risk. Can you tell us, Ian, uh, can you give us an overview of how this change is going to impact businesses? Yeah, so this was a really positive announcement by the, the, the Director General and um, ESI Monitor responded to the consultation and, and said we were, we were very much in favour of it. So there may be more direction coming, but my understanding at this stage is basically the, the update will require that the boards of companies that are covered by the code will have to consider the possible impacts of climate change on their business models, and they'll also have to make a disclosure of that impact if they feel it's appropriate. Now, in terms of what businesses need to do with that direction, um, I personally don't see why anyone would look any further than TCFD as the, as the best way of uh, approaching this requirement, given that this is the most widely recognised approach today for climate change risk disclosure. If, these, if um, businesses use the TCFD recommendations in order to fulfil this GFSC requirement, then they will be, be well at the front of the pack and um, much more comparable with businesses worldwide, or certainly in comparable jurisdictions like the UK, where TCFD is the, is the reference point. All they need to do is to consider those aspects of governance and business strategy, um, risk management and, and disclosing their metrics that are covered in the TCFD recommendations report that I already mentioned. Um, we, we can, at, at ESI Monitor, take businesses through an entire full-fat TCFD disclosure process, or we can just run a sort of TCFD light project that will help businesses understand 
the level of change that they're going to need to go through. But, but either way, it doesn't need to be a huge or a scary change. I think it's a really, really good thing for Guernsey to be doing. It's really good practice for businesses and keeping us aligned on a, a level of equivalence internationally because we don't want to find that everyone else in the world is doing this and we've got to scramble to catch up. Very much so. Now, one of the biggest themes that came out of Tuesday's event was the importance of non-state actors coming together at COP26 to make net zero commitments and action plans for doing so. Now, you were there and you were following those discussions. What are your thoughts on the net zero agenda and how can we drive action rather than just conversation? Mm. Yeah, so uh, non-state actors absolutely need to do everything that they can. I, I think action does need to be underpinned by state intervention as well, because um, there are very big levers that, that states have at their, at their command um, in terms of you know, regulation, enforcement, um, also fiscal policy as well. But businesses and consumers uh, and other non-state actors can do a great deal alone. And it's a really big part of our belief at ESI Monitor that over the next 10 years, sustainable business will just become the norm and action in that sustainability is the key. So measurement and reporting are necessary, but they're not really sufficient steps. We need to see businesses really willing to open up their business models, examine their operations, their supply chain, their investments, and ask if the way that they are set up to make money today is a truly sustainable one. I worked for several years in business improvement um, and I know that it can be really difficult to question the status quo and imagine how the processes and the ways of working that you have today could be changed. But some of the changes are quite simple. They, they might involve new products or services that, that the people are developing and are keen to deliver to you, like electric vehicles but other ones are going to be more difficult and more specific to your organization. So for those ones, only you know, the internal team really can look into their own organization, figure out what needs to change, how that change happens, and bring the whole of the organization on that journey with them. That's a good point, and it leads me neatly onto my next question. From both our UK and US panels at Sustainable Finance Week, there were conversations around divestment and net zero were front and centre. I think all our panellists agreed divestment isn't the same as net zero, and there's a need to ensure that we have a just transition as we move away from fossil fuels to net zero. Now, it's a very tricky question, but what are your thoughts on divestment and the transition? I think it is a, it is a tricky question, but it's a really... It's really important and a really interesting one as well. So I think I would slightly separate the question about uh, the choice whether you whether you go down divestment or down uh, sort of investor activism route. I separate that apart from the the transition question about exactly what are transition appropriate activities that could be invested in although they are two connected questions uh, as well so so the first one about divestment versus uh, investor activism choice to my mind that's in some ways a, a slightly technical question about how different investors see the best way to participate in the finance industry um, how they feel it's best to influence it 
some investors obviously see that reducing support to particular sectors or to particular investments is an effective way to 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 influence uh, by removing funding voting with their feet and that's obviously also a really simple way for them to protect themselves from risks in particular sectors so they they go down a divestment route other investors are i think more confident that they can actually influence their investees um, or, or, or the debtors and their position is going to actively make that underlying investee or debtor more sustainable. So it's great for me if, if an investor is that confident in their ability to influence their investees. Um, I think if they're going to hold questionable investments on the basis that they do more good being inside the tent, I would want to see really strong influence, uh, really strong evidence of that influence. Um, but it's fantastic if they do have that influence and they can can make their investees more sustainable. I think the question about whether particular transition investments are credible and should be invested in or divested from is, is sort of related, but it's also a big topic in its own right. So we know that energy systems and other aspects of the economy need to reorient away from uh, high carbon intensity. We know that's not going to happen overnight and that a transition is needed to accomplish it. Does it make sense to support existing companies uh, in that transition? Um, it, it, it's, it's difficult to make generalizations, but, but uh, one, one observation I'd make is that if we are going to support existing companies in that transition, existing carbon intensive companies in that transition, we need to be really, really clear on what a credible transition pathway looks like and whether those companies are keeping to it. Uh, so the, the IEA released a report um, a week or so ago, I think, on financing clean energy transitions in emerging and developing economies. That's very, very clear on some of the transition priorities, financial support that those priorities need, uh, where those um, transition investments are worldwide. We need more touchstones like that. We need more shared understanding of what a credible transition pathway looks like, um, both at a, a really macro level and at more sector-specific levels as well. So, um, yes, in summary, I, I, think, I think companies with credible transition plans to net zero need to be encouraged. Um, the challenge for investors is really to understand what makes a credible plan and how strong is our belief that companies can and will execute those plans with the right activism from investors? I think those are the questions that investors need to ask. I think those are debates that will go on for some time because they're not easy questions to answer. Now, were there any other key ideas or highlights for you that came out of Tuesday's sessions at Sustainable Finance Week? Yeah, I think... I think what I will really take away from, from Sustainable Finance Week is that incredible position that, that Guernsey has. We're, we're a very small island uh, in, in the world, but incredibly influential um, and able to draw on and inspire people from, from all around the world um, to, 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 do, to do better. And we've got a really good opportunity to use that influence, both for good, to, to influence people, people around the world to higher standards, but also to, to, to do well ourselves from it. Um, I think we can position Guernsey or on the back of our existing reputation, which is good governance, high standards of compliance, 
um, and build on that to support really high standards in green finance worldwide. So um, yeah, I think the I think the future is incredibly bright for Guernsey um, and incredibly bright for the wider world if we can only mobilise that great reputation and incredible skills and talent um, to to do the very best for the world as a whole. I couldn't agree more. So thanks again to Ian for his time and insights today. And thank you for sharing ESI Monitor's mission with us. It's great to hear how you're helping businesses adopt more sustainable practices. And it's also good to hear how many Guernsey businesses have signed up. We have quite a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast, and you can check them out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and we are guernsey.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at Guernsey Green Finance and at We Are Guernsey. We also have links to Ian and ESI Monitor's social media in our show notes, so check those out if you'd like to hear more from Ian. You can also watch our Sustainable Finance Week on demand now on our website, presented in association with the United Nations Financial Centres for Sustainability. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast.